0: Chapter twenty five of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H Ringer ABMD This LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by Matt Ferrard Chapter twenty five Diphtheria Diphtheria is an acute, infectious, contagious disease characterized by the formation of a gray white membrane on the tonsils, uvula, and soft palate and by constitutional symptoms of varying intensity etiology the Klebs-Leller bacillus discovered in eighteen eighty three diphtheria is very contagious short exposure is all that is necessary for infection to take place and in addition the disease is spread by carriers i e persons having virulent diphtheria bacilli in their throats but because of a natural or acquired immunity not ill with the disease symptoms the incubation period of diphtheria is from twelve hours to three days while diphtheria may occur on any mucous membrane where the bacilli lodge and develop nose vagina stomach etc it is very rare to see the disease anywhere save in the pharynx or larynx, and these two forms only will be considered here. 1. Pharyngeal diphtheria. The onset is reasonably sudden, with chilliness, headache, fever, not particularly marked. It is uncommon to see a temperature over 102 degrees. Within 24 hours, the throat becomes sore. At first, it is red, but soon spots of gray or dirty white appear on one or both tonsils. These increase in number, unite, and spread to the uvula and soft palate. In a fully developed case, the back of the mouth is often seen to present an arch of gray membrane reaching from tonsil to tonsil. The membrane is thick and tenacious, and when pulled off, leaves a raw, bleeding surface. As the disease progresses, prostration becomes more marked, and signs of heart weakness are frequent. The membrane may disappear as a result of treatment, or, in unfavorable cases, may spread to the nose or larynx. Cultures taken from the throat show the presence of diphtheria bacilli in large numbers. The course of diphtheria is variable lasting from six days to three weeks but has been wholly changed since the introduction of treatment by antitoxin two laryngeal diphtheria the general symptoms are the same as those of pharyngeal diphtheria save that as a rule prostration is more pronounced the first local symptom is a hoarse brassy cough the voice may be merely husky, or the patient may not be able to speak above a whisper. If the membrane continues to spread over the larynx, dyspnea sets in, due to obstruction to the free passage of air. Cyanosis sets in, slight at first, but in severe cases gradually increasing until the entire face looks dusky. The patient gasps for every breath. The pulse is rapid, small, and weak, and the entire body covered with a cold sweat. In untreated or very virulent cases, the larynx may be entirely filled by the membrane, and death from suffocation result. Complications 1. Nephritis Almost a constant occurrence, and due to the action on the kidney of the toxin of the diphtheria bacillus, usually transitory not serious and diagnosed by the urinary findings two cervical adenitis the glands of the neck are very frequently involved they are often swollen and tender occasionally they break down and separate three bronchopneumonia this complication is always serious the gravity depends upon the age of the patient if a child the younger it is the more serious is the complication and the severity of the diphtheritic attack bronchopneumonia is particularly apt to complicate cases of laryngeal diphtheria for symptoms of this condition see chapter on bronchopneumonia four various paralysis very important Due to a definite toxic action of the diphtheria poison upon the nervous system, many varieties of paralysis may occur, chief among them being a. Palatal paralysis, soft palate, causing a nasal voice, b. Paralysis of any of the eye muscles, c. Paralysis of any of the accessory muscles of respiration, if at all extensive, this is characterized by a peculiar sighing respiration. 5. Heart Failure Most Important of All The toxin of the diphtheria bacillus has a very definite selective action upon the heart muscle, causing a degeneration of the muscle fibers, a toxic myocarditis. Myocarditis is suspected from the rate and quality of the pulse, and from the fact that any physical exertion has a marked effect upon the circulation neither extreme of pulse rate is of good omen for a rapid pulse rate is always cause for alarm and a slow pulse rate an indication of serious trouble six vomiting when this occurs early in the disease it may be due to the temperature and malaise that accompany any acute infectious disease when vomiting occurs late in the disease it is a very important and very dangerous symptom as it points to beginning degeneration of the vagus nerve prognosis the outlook in diphtheria is always grave though its course and termination have been so entirely revolutionized by treatment with antitoxin that this factor must always be held in the foreground the gravity of prognosis and the rate of mortality are in direct proportion to the delay in administering antitoxin. Kossel has shown that when antitoxin is injected on the first sign of the disease, the percentage of recoveries is 100. In this, every hour counts. Out of two thousand four hundred and twenty eight cases reported by Hilbert, the percentage of deaths varied with the day on which antitoxin was administered, as follows. Day of Administration First day Mortality, 2.2% Second day Mortality, 7.6% Third day 17.1% Mortality Fourth day 23.8% Mortality Fifth day, 33.9% mortality. Sixth day, 34.1% mortality. After sixth day, 38.2% mortality. Vaughan. The prognosis is always much graver in laryngeal than in pharyngeal cases. Treatment. The treatment of diphtheria can be divided into two classes. 1. General Treatment 2. Specific Treatment, i.e. Antitoxin 1. General Treatment A. Prophylactic The patient is to be isolated as described in the chapter on scarlet fever, and quarantine is to be maintained until release is permitted by the Board of Health, the period varying in different communities but being in all cases dependent upon cultures from the throat of patient and nurse showing no diphtheria bacilli b general management bed is to be insisted upon in all cases and rest in the recumbent position is very important owing to the toxic action of the diphtheritic poison on the heart the nurse must be careful not to let the patient sit up suddenly, as children are apt to do, as cases are on record where such exertion has caused sudden giving out of the heart with immediate death. The bowels are to be kept open, and the mouth clean with some mild antiseptic wash. Gargling is not advisable, as it practically always necessitates sitting up. Food should be liquid and semi-solid bland easily digestible and given frequently in small amounts swallowing is at first usually very painful and it may be very difficult to get patients especially children to eat a sufficient amount in toxic cases stimulation is to be resorted to differing in no wise from that given in any disease complicated by heart weakness for the paralysis following diphtheria strychnia seems to exert a more beneficial effect than any other drug the patient should be kept in bed until convalescence is fully established because of the danger of sudden heart failure even after all signs of active diphtheritic disease have disappeared cold to the throat in the form of cold cloths is often beneficial the ice bag is often very efficient in relieving pain opiates may have to be given two specific treatment there is probably no more brilliant achievement in internal medicine than the triumph gained over diphtheria by the discovery of diphtheria antitoxin by von bering in 1890 antitoxin Antitoxin is obtained by injecting horses with gradually increasing doses of diphtheria toxin until an immunity has been established so that the animal can withstand with no harmful effects whatsoever, doses that would have proved immediately fatal if given at first. When the horse is sufficiently immunized, he is bled and in the blood serum is found the diphtheria antitoxin, i.e., a substance which is capable of neutralizing and rendering harmless the diphtheritic poison circulating in the patient's blood. The measure adopted for estimating the amount of antitoxin is the unit. The serum of the horse is standardized and put up in syringes ready for use, each holding a certain number of units of antitoxin 1, 000, 2, 000, five hundred one thousand two thousand five thousand ten thousand as the case may be diphtheria being strictly a toxic disease i e the poison manufactured by the diphtheria bacilli being the one harmful factor if enough antitoxin is injected to neutralize all the toxins circulating in the blood the patient has an excellent chance for recovery a prophylactic treatment with antitoxin it is customary to give the nurse and all members of the family a preventive injection of antitoxin from five hundred to one thousand units according to the age of the individual to whom it is given this prophylactic injection establishes an immunity to diphtheria, which lasts about three weeks. B. Active treatment with antitoxin. Antitoxin should be administered as soon as the diagnosis is made, and in doubtful cases in the absence of a positive diagnosis, because if the case is one of diphtheria, it will do good, while if the case is one of follicular tonsillitis, no harm will result and because mortality from diphtheria increases in direct proportion to delay in the administration of antitoxin antitoxin is administered hypodermically the loose tissue of the back below the angle of the scapula being the favorite site of injection the dose depends upon the judgment of the physician some believe in relatively small doses 2,000 to 5,000 units, others in moderately large doses, 10,000 to 30,000 units, and still others in enormous doses, 50,000 to 100,000 units. From this it will be apparent that, practically speaking, there is no such thing as an overdose of antitoxin. If the symptoms do not improve after the first injection another is given from eight to twelve hours later and subsequent doses are given as indicated where antitoxin has a beneficial effect in from six to eighteen hours the membrane is seen to grow less and finally to disappear the temperature drops and all signs of toxemia are reduced in intensity the throat being often almost normal within three or four days in more severe cases, a longer time is necessary for recovery, and in the fulminant cases, or in those in which antitoxin administration has been delayed, until the entire body is flooded with poison, death ensues. In cases of laryngeal diphtheria, in addition to antitoxin administration, always in larger dosage than in pharyngeal cases, mechanical means may be necessary to relieve the blocking up of the larynx and consequent death of the patient from suffocation. these are two in number one intubation by means of a special instrument for its insertion devised by the late dr joseph o'dwyer of new york a hollow tube is passed into the larynx until it is between the vocal cords where it lodges and is held in place by means of a groove at its upper end the patient is able to breathe through the tube until the membrane lessens in amount and the larynx is again clear when the tube is extracted if the patient fails to cough it out two tracheotomy if intubation is impracticable an opening is made in the trachea and a tracheotomy tube inserted through which the patient can get air end of chapter 25